When people think of farms, many things may come to mind. An idyllic farm setting, livestock grazing in the field, a local farm stand with fresh produce. But what many people don't often think about is that farms are also small businesses. And like any business, there are challenges and economic realities to overcome every day. Hi, I'm Steve Ammerman. Welcome to New York Farm Bureau's News Bites podcast. Farms face many economic and political hurdles in order to provide all the things that we love about farms. Beyond providing local food and open spaces, they are integral to the financial success of our communities and state. And one man who knows this well is Robert Duffy. He's the head of the Greater Rochester Chamber of Commerce and former New York State Lieutenant Governor. He led a panel at New York Farm Bureau's December conference focusing on the future of Northeast agriculture. This included looking at agriculture's business climate, we sat down with Bob to delve more into the issue. First of all, thank you so much for being here and, and talking to our members and, and the conference folks about looking ahead. And one of the things you talked about was, was opportunities. And you're a leader in the business community in, in the Rochester area and, and have worked with farms and have worked with businesses across the state through the years. What do you see as the opportunities that do exist for us in New York? Well, first of all, I, uh, somebody mentioned today, one of the questioners, without food, we have nothing. I think that Food and what we produce in our state and our region is one of the best in the country. We're in a top five in almost every category nationally in terms of our New York production on farms. <laughs> the opportunities, first of all, the market certainly is going to grow. I, I sense a great trend with young people wanting locally sourced fresh food. So whether they get it at a Wegmans or a Tops or they go out to a, a farm or a market, I've been on, even in my current life, several farms. I was at an event three weeks ago. Absolutely loved it. I think farming, not just a production part, but getting people on for harvest dinners, food, exposing them to, to what goes on. Because the one thing we have to really make sure does not happen is we do not take food producers for granted. And that's pretty easy. In New York State, if you take a business for granted and a city, a county or state ignores them for years, well, along comes Texas, Florida, Tennessee or North Carolina and they're gone. And the same thing for farms, although I, I felt farms couldn't leave. I was corrected today before by some farms do pack up and they mm -hmm. sell their land and move on. So appreciating what we have here, we are blessed with the, the best food producers in the country, not taking them for granted, helping them the future, helping them emerge in the future. Technology, looking at the market opportunities going forward. I mentioned a Grow New York program. It's all about innovation in food production. I think there's a great untapped potential going forward that really is a, is a great asset for our, our basic producers. One of the things that, that is a challenge are regulatory issues. Former Lieutenant Governor, you understand the political process. And a key part of what you talked about today was unintended consequences, that things can be passed or a crisis comes up and there's legislation in the moment, but often the big picture is lost in that. Can you talk a little bit about that and the, the, the problems that come about with unattended consequences? You know, our panelists today, we all said the same thing and, and working with a couple of those in the past. What happens often with legislation is there's a crisis or an issue is, is arising. It could be in somebody's district. It could be statewide. And a bill is put together. The 40-hour overtime threshold came up. And first of all, we want everybody to make as much money as they possibly can to sustain their quality of life. But to put that in place without fully considering the impact on farms. Farms are not manufacturing environments. They operate in a natural environment. So you can't operate the same way, but there may be three days of heavy rain and no work. And then all of a sudden the next three or four days you have to really push. And so if a farm is, or farm owners is forced with, I can't afford to pay overtime. So we're gonna cut the threshold at 40 hours and not go above. Those workers may leave. 
and go elsewhere and it will impact that farm. Uh, or the farmer has to go over and pays and that impacts his or her bottom line. So now costs of food go up. So here we have, we have inflation. We have a looming recession. We have costs of gas, food all going up. Now we're making legislation that may sound good and may come from somebody who lives in an area that has no farms, but you know, for that moment, it becomes the expert. Uh, we are appealing for and push for getting people to the table and be it agriculture, criminal justice, business. These regulatory issues often come up considering one aspect. Minimum wage for a large company may be a hit on their bottom line, but not impactful. Minimum wage for a small farm, for a small business could put them out of business or, or cut their production drastically. And, and it's about listening. I go back to my time in government. When I did budgets, when I was mayor, I would go out to neighborhoods and ask them what, what they want. Listen, you, you have to listen to your customers and listen to those that are most affected. And so I would urge our leadership and I'll speak for, first of all, Governor Hochul is from Buffalo. She is an upstater. She gets it. The issue of the 40-hour overtime did not emanate from the governor's office. It came from the legislature. We have to have people come up and spend time and listen and understand that for every decision, there are unintended consequences. So you can't complain about food costs going up and lament those when you make decisions that really cause that. Throughway tolls, regulatory issues, gas prices, all these things, when they fluctuate, in the end, who is going to be impacted? The business owners and our consumers. And you said in there, it's imperative for people like our farmers, like New York Farm Bureau that advocates to get compelling data and facts because yep. those help tell the story. How important is having those hard numbers to explain those consequences? I found with my experience in our Chamber of Commerce and also in my office, previous elected offices, people can make an argument and not, not like something and you can agree or disagree. When they bring compelling data, irrefutable data to the table, that makes the argument. If you're in a courtroom and you're a lawyer arguing for or against a certain case, that data and those facts matter. The same goes for legislation and business. And what we really push for is that when you advocate, you, you bring sheer numbers. And I listen to some of the questions today of those in the audience. Our farmers, to me, they are the best food producers anywhere in the country. If you put legislation without listening to them and understanding the impacts, to me, it's a flawed process totally. So bring them to the table and listen, and they will tell you. They're, they're pretty emphatic and pretty truthful about what those impacts are. And everybody understands, yes, things will cost more. Climate goals, nobody argues the impact of climate change. What the issues are, okay, preparing for that, when you put regulatory issues or changes in place, who's gonna pay for that, how long? It's nice to say in, in X number of years, we'll do these 20 things, but if somebody has a very you know, flexible or maybe not a, a big bottom line and they have to make huge investments, you're going to impact them. So it's, it's work, listening, working with people, trying to create a timetable that works with those producing it. And it goes for farmers, it goes for business owners, it goes for really any area that is a part of our, our, our economy. And farming, food, agriculture, when you look at the number of jobs created, it's a, what, a $7 billion business in New York State, 200,000 jobs. And you look at farmers plus the processors, they would rank, I believe, number six or seven in the largest businesses in New York State. I would guarantee that any legislator, before they enacted something on one of those large businesses, especially if that business was in their district, they would go and, and seek some answers and ask. And I think that's what I'm asking. My time at Albany, I found that majority of elected officials are good, well-intentioned public service. They want to do the right thing. But you can't do the right thing by listening to part of the story. And sometimes the loudest advocates don't tell the whole story. So it's really listen to the advocates and listen, but get the entire picture. And that takes going out, going on the farm, sitting down, listening, asking questions, 
getting data, compiling data, and making the best decisions you can. Joining Bob on his conference panel discussion was Veronica Nye, a senior economist with our national organization, American Farm Bureau. She understands the economics and numbers at play, and we delved into those numbers as well to help have a better understanding of what we're dealing with here in New York and across the Northeast. First of all, Veronica, let's talk a little bit about what you do at AFBF. You're the senior economist. So kind of talk about your role and what the importance it brings to our members in having the data and the understanding of, of the big picture. Sure. So we're a team of five and, and the econ group at AFBF. We have chief economist and then four economists, including myself underneath our chief. We divide up all of the different policy issues that that's to, to look at and, and think about every year. And our job is to really look at laws and regulations as they're proposed, as they're being changed, and to mm -hmm. think about what the economic impact to our members would be if those changes were to come to fruition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's, it is very helpful in order to have a more full picture of the, the total impact. And that's certainly something that we heard today is that oftentimes without that more full understanding, workers don't necessarily come to those full conclusions without that additional data that the State Farm Bureaus and AFBF can provide. We talked to Bob Duffy about the importance of data and facts in telling our story. And here in the Northeast, we have a really unique story to tell. And one of those is the relationship between our farmers and our consumers. Can you talk a little bit about that for us? Absolutely. So nationally, only about 6% of farms in the U.S. sell directly to consumers. In New York, that percentage is 17%. And then when you add in sales to institutional or, or regional sales for brand, regionally branded products, that percentage climbs to 22%. So you clearly have a much closer connection and better understanding of your consumers than the average farmer in the United States. So how can that benefit our farmers and our members? Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunities in New York and, and in this region. You're so close to such a diverse consumer base that... Farmers are, are able to carve out individual relationships with different consumer groups. Rather than trying to market to the masses, you can certainly find a, a particular group of consumers, and there's enough of them in, in number that you can build an entire business around even a niche consumer group. Also, in terms of labor, we may have a little bit of a different story here. How is our labor force, our workforce and our farm is maybe different than, than other parts of the country? Well, on average across the U.S., about 25% of farms hire farm labor, and, and that's a, a approximately equivalent here in, in New York. What we do tend to find, though, is unfortunately, because of that wonderful consumer base and all of those additional voters, you do tend to be subject to a lot more whims of the non-agriculture community. And you certainly see that reflected in the overtime laws that you have passed in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. So as we look at New York compared to the rest of the country, certainly a much higher minimum wage. And, and I know as we're looking at a very tight labor market in New York and across the United States, the minimum wage becomes less of a conversation in certain states where they're only upholding the federal minimum wage of $7.25. But in New York, it still is a significant impact beyond what maybe the, the market rate might be uh, for certain positions. I think when you look at the labor market in agriculture specifically, we see an ever-increasing use of the H-2A visa ag worker program that allows farms to bring in temporary workers for, for seasonal work. And what we see through that program is, is actually maybe a bit more leveling of the wage rates that farmers pay. For example, in the Southeast, where we tend to see a lot of states upholding that minimum federal wage of $7.25, the 2023 AWER, which is mm. what's paid through the H-2A program, is, is closer to $14, which looks a lot more similar to what New York is going to be forced to pay in 2023. So 
As we look at maybe an increasing use of the temporary visa program, we do see a bit more leveling out across wage rates than than just looking at those minimum mm-hmm. wage rates. And maybe just looking out over the next couple of years, we hear a lot of talk of recession. There's still ongoing trade issues, supply and demand issues. You know, what does AFBF see in terms of the overall farm economy? And as we you know get into discussions of the farm bill, that's going to be relevant too in terms of, of our resources and our crop and insurance programs or risk management programs and, and the importance of having those investments. What does AFBF see as, as the overall farm economy view over the next few years? Sure. So, you know, uh, ERS, USDA Economic Research Service just came out last week with revised net farm income numbers for 2022. And they're showing that farm income is up 14 percent this year relative to 2021. That's despite the fact that we had a 19% increase in input costs. So, you know, I think from the perspective of a farm bill, that certainly makes that discussion more challenging and more nuanced when lawmakers are saying there's there's never enough money to go around for all issues. And if I'm looking at a sector like agriculture that on the surface seems to be doing very well, that does make it more challenging to advocate for additional funding and distribution in, in the farm bill. You know, I think as we look forward to the next six, 12 months, I'm not going to prognosticate much longer than that, <laughs> further in advance than that. But certainly the situation in, in Ukraine and Russia's invasion of Ukraine is going to continue to upend agriculture and input markets. We see that on, of course, on, on corn and wheat and subsequently feed costs for anybody who's, who's feeding those products. But of course, also in the energy markets and markets as a result. So as long as we continue to see significant geopolitical issues in some of the major producers of globally traded products, I think we're going to see an increased level of volatility that we've seen in the last few years. Thankfully, we have folks like you that can help our farmers, our partners with AFBF who are going to be advocating and telling that story. And I would imagine you would encourage our members as we get into those discussions about the farm bill and and what is needed at the federal level, including on the immigration reform side. It really takes our members to be engaged to make some movement in in Washington. Absolutely. Without our members, I'm just a talking head. And while I do like to talk, it's much more meaningful when it comes from members. So certainly reaching out to your elected folks, coming to D.C., even if it's not your favorite activity, it really speaks volumes to how engaged farmers are and how politically active they that they are. And that means a lot to elected officials. Otherwise, it's just empty numbers. So yes, please, we certainly need those individual stories because as you know, we're looking at these large broad stroke numbers out of USDA, thinking about the farm economy relative to the rest of the economy. It's certainly going to take those individual stories to help lawmakers understand that not every farm is the same and that we're all subject to, to different constraints. And one good year does not a good business make. So certainly telling those stories, it's, it's almost more important in what appears to be good times than in bad times. As Veronica said, our member advocacy will be key to shaping the next farm bill to benefit our farms and our food system. Well, we hope you enjoyed this discussion about the economics of farming the topic we will continue to explore along with the Farm Bill in future episodes. Thanks so much for listening, and I'd like to thank Seth Moser-Katz for producing this edition of News Bites. And as always, thank a farmer for all that they do. 